Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. The first reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 30. The Lord your God will then make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock, and he will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests. For the Lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you, and is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, Who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. This letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother brother, Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colosse, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. 
gospel lesson today comes from the 10th chapter of Luke. So one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Jesus told him, do this, do this, and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked, attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, they left him. They left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, he walked over as well. He looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along. He saw the man and he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and he bandaged them. Then, then he put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn. Then he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor? A neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go, do the same. You may be seated. You all heard this one before? Right, yeah, I figure, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty common, right? We know this when this is part of Jesus' greatest hits in terms of teachings. It even becomes part of uh, our own vocabulary as we all seek to be good Samaritans, right? Um, my first inclination for this text has been the same as it's been for multiple sermons lately, just because for whatever reason, I'm being really honest, I am just fixated on these concepts of honesty and integrity that Jesus is calling us to as disciples. Um, it's the reason I'm focusing on that is I wrestle with this all the time. I always am asking myself this question, am I a hypocrite, right? It's a thing I'm singing in my head so often I could sing along with it at this point in harmony. Um, am I full of it? Do I actually believe this stuff? I mean, I confess it. I know it. I've studied it. I proclaim it here. We give thanks for it at the table. I know this to be true. Am I going to do the thing? Do what Jesus calls us to do. Just like he said, go, do the thing. And a few weeks ago, I wrestled with the mental gymnastics I can do with myself when I find ways to postpone the hard work of discipleship. Sure, I'll love my neighbor. Absolutely. As soon as I sufficiently love the neighbors I agree with most. Later, you know. Yes, I'll bind up the broken. As soon as I feel like I'm qualified to bind them up and I feel safe about it. And coincidentally, and I know this is convenient, I don't know anything about it or care to learn about it. So maybe a little later. That's what I wanted to talk about, was how I can trick myself and postpone doing the hard work of discipleship. 
I think that's what I felt like talking about in this story, the ways we can convince ourselves that sometimes it's just not convenient to help the person on the side of the road. Sometimes it's scary. We can all agree, though, I hope, helping the person on the side of the road is the right thing to do, right? Show of hands, is it the right thing to do? Yeah, of course it is. We all know this. We can agree it's the right thing to do. We just know sometimes we don't do it because it's scary or something. We can all agree, just like I said last week, that God has a great big hope for all of creation. We throw around words like love and God so much, we use words like all, all the time. Because we know God has a big hope for everything. It's even in the prophets, right? They say on this mountain, God's going to create a great feast and gather all people, all. And on this feast, all people will come and all people will be fed, all. Every tear will be wiped away, every, all. God is calling all people, and in an instant, they will all be changed. Beautiful, beautiful. I think we have the belief that God means to not do a half job of restoring the cosmos, but the whole job restoring all people back to God's self. I think that's why we come to this table, because it's set for all people, right? We don't come here because it just pleases God. God's asked you to show up and eat this stuff, so do it. It doesn't not please God. God's really into it. But we come to this table because he says it's for you, for forgiveness, because I love you, that you would remember that I love you. We come to this table not because we have to. We come here because we need it. And we know that all people need it. All of us are invited. So, of course, my sermon's going to be about how we resist to do what we know is good for all people because we're racist or prejudiced or something like that, even though we know what's right. But you know what? I wonder if that's really the only issue. That's really the antithesis to this table of mercy, this instruction to love your neighbor. You notice it didn't say didn't answer the question, who's your neighbor? It asked you, are you a neighbor? Mr. Rogers stuff right there. Are you Mr. Rogers? Well, no, of course not, but I'll try to be. I wonder if really at the heart of this thing, do we actually believe that all means all? Do we believe those things? This is a bear that I don't think we want to face. We're facing a challenge at a much more fundamental level. We can agree that we are called to help the person in need. That's what God's hope is. But what if here we say, I don't know if it's right to help them. Can you imagine that? I don't mean it's inconvenient to help someone in need. I don't mean to say it's dangerous or requires a ton of bravery. I mean, what if deep down we fear it's the wrong thing to do to help somebody sometimes? What would it take to say to ourselves, helping a person in need isn't right? What would it take for us to be so convinced that the person in need and our care for them is not God's hope? What would it take? Could you imagine such a reality? Because Jesus can. And Jesus tells a story about it. Immediately in this story, when someone who is very, a teacher of the law, this is literally like a preacher, right? This is someone who instructs God's hope for the world. Someone who's very religious, someone who's very faithful, teaches the law, asks, how do I enter into the kingdom of heaven? How do I receive eternal life, an inheritance from God? How do I get it? What do I need to do in order to get the thing I want? Now, your Lutheran alarm bells should be going off. 
because you're going, oh, this is works, righteousness. You can't earn it, bud. <laughs> you can't earn it. And that's true. But don't we always ask this? I admit it. I'm wrestling with this all the time. I don't want to be full of it. I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth. I don't want to be on the outside of the kingdom of God. Jesus can't stop talking about how great it is. So I want to be in that thing. So what are the rules? What are the expectations? Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. What must I do? And Jesus says, you know, right? You've read it. And we know. We've all agreed to it. And they go, yeah. And he goes, good. Go do it. And they go, okay. But who's my neighbor? And he goes, okay. I got a story for you. He proceeds to tell a story to highlight two approaches. Two approaches to a life in faith. Two approaches to the life of pursuing God's hope in the world. One is obvious. It's religion. It's the law. Keep things legal. Keep things safe. And keep things all right and in good, proper order. Do that. The other approach, a little bit scary, a little bit inappropriate. It's a bit taboo. It's highly dangerous. Not that wise to some. And perfectly honest, it's kind of illegal. Did you know that? That what the Samaritan's doing could be considered illegal to many? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're going, oh, antiquated racism, right? Samaritans and the Judean people, no way. There's something with them interacting. Yeah, that is a thing. But there's something else happening that's illegal. You notice in the story, the man is set upon by robbers. He's beaten. He's stripped. And then it says he's left half dead. Half dead. Nearly dead. So that's not a guy sitting there going, oh, wow, I just got beat up. No, if you'd happen upon this at a distance, you'd see what looks to be a corpse in the road. A corpse. Yeesh. You wouldn't say, is this guy okay? You'd go, something bad happened, and you'd be a little afraid. But because he's half dead... There is a legal responsibility to those who are faithful in how you should handle coming upon a dead body. According to the law. According to the law he teaches, what's the responsibility to this body? One, don't touch it. That's a purity law you're breaking there. Dead bodies, yucky. Don't want to get the community sick. So don't touch it. So you notice what they do. The legal, lawful response is they happen upon it and do they give it a look? Where do they pass? On the other side. They give it a wide berth. You don't want to break the law. You don't want to defile yourself with a dead body. Ugh, that's wrong. It's not legal. What if he's alive though, right? We've denied the potential possibility that he's alive for the sake of obeying the law because he doesn't want to get dirty. So the right thing to do, leave a potentially dead body where it lays and life be damned, don't risk breaking the law and defiling yourself. There is no law that requires you to inspect a dead body. Except, of course, the natural order of compassion, which the Samaritan appears to have. The Samaritan, it says, is literally drawn to this person. It's a person. He's drawn to it. And why? Because life, because potential life. The word literally is compassion. 
love my neighbor, show compassion, which again is potentially illegal, but it draws him close. And not just close, he touches him. He heals him. He provides bandage. He cares for him. Compassion. The word literally is the same word that was used in ancient Greek for the blood sacrifices that required the removing of the heart of the sacrifice. A bleeding heart offered for the sins of others is compassion. It's funny we've turned bleeding heart into a pejorative when it quite literally is the heart of Christ. To have a bleeding heart is to be compassionate. I'm not going to sit here and belabor the clear hypocrisy in this, that what was legal was to leave him. What was dangerous was to care for him. A clear point that can be made that just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's something compassionate. We could talk about all sorts of things about separating families and children. We can talk about hurting someone and then having a legal right to, maybe if I can get a paperwork signed and we can exchange enough money, no one has to know that I did a bad thing. Legal. I don't know if that's right. I remember um, living in Orlando as a college student. There were organizations that would try to feed homeless people in the city at a park. Not legal. That's food sharing. That's not allowed. It was considered illegal because it drew uh, unwanted population to a city park. If Jesus tried to feed the 5,000 in one of a dozen parks in America, he'd be told, get lost, pal. No, you don't just share food here. That's illegal. What's legal and what's right sometimes run into each other. And this is the same point we've been making for weeks, though. Right here is that this thing we're on together is about love. Always has been, always will be. About loving our neighbor, boldly, daringly. And knowing that we are in this thing together. This thing that we're on together, this mission is not about winning the race to the kingdom with as few scrapes as possible. It's not about finding a way in on an inheritance by doing the right things. The question that prompted this story was essentially, how do I get in on this inheritance? Because the presumption is, to get in on an inheritance means, I don't know if I'm going to be fully considered for this. I don't know if I fit the description of the proper recipients of this. It's essentially like if you were to ask, anybody here know Bill Gates? Okay, if you were like, how do I get in on Bill Gates' will? Well, you probably won't. Like, that, you're... Because obviously you don't know him. How do you get on that Jeff Bezos money, right? You won't. Unless you know him, it ain't happening. You know what I mean? Um, but that's kind of what's happening. How do I get in on this in eternal life thing? And Jesus points out, you don't need tricks. You really don't. There are no hoops. There are no hurdles. You know, in our first reading, it's as near as our own breath. It's not across some great sea. It's here, right here, in your beating heart, made in the image of God. A bleeding heart, by the way. <laughs> Made in the image of God. If you recognize your own relation to God, recognize our common humanity in the same divine image, God is in each and every one of our faces. Such a life recognizing that can promote in us 
a kind of compassion that we see in the Samaritan, daring, bleeding heart, that defies boundaries and compels you to not ask what's legal, what's, what do I have to do, and compels you to ask what's right? What's right for my neighbor? What loves them? Instead of feeling motivated by an inheritance we can admit sometimes doesn't feel like it's ours or that we deserve it. We're being invited in this story to allow ourselves to be moved by human needs that meet us on the roads we walk every day. And more than just meet those needs, don't shy away from them. Walk on the other side of the road if we can. Instead, let's imitate Jesus. Let's imitate that bleeding heart of God. Let's not just do this religion thing and ask ourselves what's legal, what is allowed, what can we get with as little effort or danger as possible, and instead ask this holy question, what's good? What's going to make God smile? And go, there it is. That's good. And then when we ask that, and we know it, in the faces of our neighbor, Jesus puts it real clearly. Go do it. Do it. And live. Bleeding heart, wide open for the whole world to see. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.